if you think back over the last few weeks, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we've been seeing that Jesus was using this opportunity that he had with that group that was with him uh, to communicate what are really just some practical truths for, uh, for living. And he wanted his followers to know them. Part of what Jesus was revealing, uh, he was really revealing the spirit and the meaning of the law of Moses while he was demonstrating that he had come to fulfill the law and not to abolish it. He also wanted to, to contrast uh, the righteousness of God with the hypocrisy and the legalism of the religious leaders at that time. Uh, he also was wanting to challenge his own followers uh, to live according to a higher standard of both, of both well, of morality, of service, and of love. So this morning, we're going to continue our series uh, in this, on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Directions for Life, and we're going to do that by reading our first portion of Scripture. And while we're reading it, uh, let's ask ourselves a question of uh, who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to please? So we're going to read Matthew 6, verses 16 to 18 is our first portion. Matthew 6, 16 to 18. Uh, it, uh, it starts out, it says, so When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to the others around you that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And then your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. Okay, so earlier in Matthew 6, Jesus had been teaching about daily practices uh, in our spiritual lives. Remember he was talking, we heard last week, he was talking about things like giving and, and prayer. But so now he continues by instructing his followers on fasting and especially uh, how to fast in a way that honors God. Okay, but before we go forward, I got a question for you. Let's make sure we're all kind of on the same page. What is biblical fasting? What do you think? What does it mean? Okay, going for some amount of time with nothing to eat. That's the way, yeah. Seeking to go deeper with God is biblical fasting. Looking for breakthrough is another reason, yeah. So biblical fasting is always abstaining from food, always abstaining from food and or drink for a period of time for a period of time, in order to focus on God and to seek his will. Now, in the Bible, there's a number of different types of fasting described. In fact, really more, when I started writing it all down, more than I guess I'd really recognized before, okay? But if you think about it, there's, there's just what you might call a regular fast. Uh, that's giving up all food and drink except for water. Example of that was when Jesus was in the wilderness, Okay? Uh, there's a partial fast. That means limiting your diet to only specific kinds of food or drink. That would be an example of Daniel. Okay, In Daniel 10.3, it says that he ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched his lips, and he used no lotions uh, for three weeks. 
Okay? Then there's like an absolute fast. That's where you give up all food and drink, including water. An example of that was Esther. Remember in Esther, uh, she needed, to, you know, she was trying to protect her people from being uh, killed. In Esther 4.16, she said, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or nights. Okay? And she said that she and her attendants would do the same, and then she would go see the king. And she had the faith coming out of that fast that she said, and if I perish, I perish. Then there's a corporate fast, a large group. Example of that, this is when, you know, you fast as a community, as a, as a group, a church, okay, uh, for a common purpose. And the example of that would have been the Ninevites when Jonah went and preached the word of the Lord to them. In Jonah 5, in Jonah uh, chapter 3, in, in verse 5, it says that the Ninevites believed God, and it says a fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth and jump down to verse 7 it says and the king made a decree and his decree was do not listen to this do not let people or the animals the herds or the flocks taste anything do not let them eat or drink it wasn't just the people that they declared a fast for it was their livestock as well these people were serious about wanting to bring about change and get their hearts aligned with God because they said he said uh, they want to give up their evil ways and they said if we do maybe God will relent and with compassion turn his fierce anger from us so that we will not perish then there's a personal fast and the example of that would be like Nehemiah who was just an individual for a personal reason because he needed favor and clarity and wisdom to go see the king so Look, there's all these different variations, but there's one denominator that's common to every one of them, and that is that biblical fasting is always about food and drink. It's always with the purpose of an act of humbling ourselves before God, and it's an expression of our total dependence upon Him. We don't fast to try and manipulate God. As we fast, what it actually does is fasting aligns our heart with the heart of God. And it also helps us clear our minds, focus our minds, and and become, you know, get clarity on what God's will for us is. Because what we're really desiring is to come into alignment with his heart to better understand his purposes and plans for our lives, corporately, all of those different reasons that we read that people fasted, okay? Because in the end of the, at the end of the day, what we really want is we we want to hear more clearly from God than we might otherwise. Jesus also wanted to teach his followers uh, that this was something that was to be done between you and God, and not to impress other people, not to to get the attention or the approval of others, okay? Um, the Pharisees, and we read about it in the in the scripture. The Pharisees wanted attention and uh, the attention and approval of other people, and that's why when they fasted, they would walk around and it said looking somber, and disfiguring their faces. You know, look, there, there's no doubt. Okay, if we kind of think about that, well, how would we say that today? 
they, they were walking around trying to look malnourished and hungry. Like they wanted to look like, you know, they needed food and that they were suffering. Okay? Since their behavior, as Jesus called out, was designed to attract attention to themselves, Jesus said that then that attention they got was the only reward they would receive. But Jesus was challenging his followers to live differently, to, to live to a higher calling, not one that, that was seeking the approval of, of, of people around them as they were fasting, but one of offering a personal sacrifice that was honoring and pleasing to God. That's why that he told them that when they fasted, they ought to put oil on their heads and, and, and wash their faces. Basically, he's just saying, folks, when you fast, dress like you normally dress, groom yourself like you normally groom yourself, because you're not trying to impress people. You're, you're fasting before the Lord. And as a result, then God who sees what you do in secret for him will reward you. Every year in January, South Oaks Church, uh, the leadership calls the church to fast for 21 days. It's a time of prayer and fasting. We, have, uh, we focus on God's will and his direction, not only for uh, each of our own lives, but uh, for the direction that God would have for the church in the year that's just beginning. Uh, we've done this every year since the church began. And in January of 2024, we plan to do the same thing. And I hope that you will uh, plan, be planning to join with us in this really what is always a very powerful time in a breakthrough in people's lives and also in guidance and direction for the church. It's not a total fast. No, in fact, remember I read all these different versions of fasting? They're, they're, we can talk later about it, but you'll, you'll pick your own method. The only part I want to encourage you, it has to do with food and drink. It's not fasting social media. It's not fasting TV. It's fasting food and drink. Okay? You know, one of the things that I think is, is um, I just want to mention, because I think it's, I think it's actually, uh, it's one of the things that get, keeps people from fasting. I, I read uh, this statement, and I liked it. Fasting is powerful, it's effective, and it's difficult. I love that, because that, that's the heart of it, isn't it? It's, we'll all agree that it's powerful and effective. It's also difficult, and I think if we're not careful, we tend to overlook the powerful and effective part and be caught up in the difficult. Okay? Can I give you a different way to view that? Here's the deal. Would we all agree that life is difficult? Yeah, okay, well, now think about this. Life is difficult. Now, here's my example. If you've got to move a 50-pound rock, if that's your problem, that life is difficult, and call that issue you're facing a 50-pound rock, and you've got to move it, is that going to be difficult? Yeah, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? But to move a 50-pound rock, you've got to apply at least 51 pounds of force. Is that right? You've got to apply more than, than the difficulty that you're facing. Okay, so if life is difficult and challenging, then you may need to do something 
that is equally difficult and challenging in order to get through it uh, and to overcome it. And I would offer to you that fasting, biblical fasting and prayer is the biblical place to start to move that difficult thing in your life, to move for that breakthrough that you need. Okay, let's continue our scripture for this morning by reading Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24, and see the rest of what Jesus taught them uh, at that point. He went on and he said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If the eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, then your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I think we'd all agree our uh, secular culture today values treasures on earth. Is that fair? We value treasures on earth. Who lives in the most expensive neighborhood, has the biggest house? Who drives the most luxurious car or the hottest car, right? Who's, who want to wear the right clothes, right? And money in the bank. I mean, all of these things. You know what they all have in common? They can be seen by other people. They can be seen by other people, often to impress them. But here's the thing, and this is what Jesus was just reminding his followers. He said, if, if you are treasuring something that can be seen, that also means it can be stolen. That means it can be burned up in fire, it can be destroyed in flood, it, it, or it can just deteriorate with age. I think we would also agree that a lot of those things sound kind of fun. Right? I mean, you know, let's be honest. I mean, you know, I still want that red Corvette. Right? I mean, <laughs> and, okay, see, I work that in every now and then. I've been using that for years. That is, some of you know. I'll probably never get it, but that's always, I throw it in every now and then just to remind you. Uh, but if it can be seen, it can be stolen, it can be lost, it can be destroyed. And, and, and so even those, that those things might, if you had one of them, or some of them. There are some things that might be fun for a time. They might be fun for a season. But the fact is, they will not bring joy into your life. Because stuff never does. Stuff never satisfies. Stuff just is kind of like a, you know, it's like taking a, a, a bufferin for a moment, you know. It, it, it doesn't help forever. They, and, and the reason is, is because those things are of no eternal value. We talk about all the phrases that come out of this. Because like people have said, you can't take it with you. Right? You can't take it with you. So looking for, looking for satisfaction, looking for pleasure, looking for happiness in stuff, 
It never satisfies. Never satisfies. Jesus then redirects his followers and he says, hey, what you really want to do is spend your time storing up treasures in heaven. So what would be a few examples of that? What are, what are some things that you would say are examples of treasure in heaven? Tough question. Yeah. Yeah. Gener generous act action, generous deeds, things you do that are generous. Hospitality, helping people, right? Being, yeah, helping people. Support, giving to things that are not you, right? Get, you ever notice, I mean, let's be honest in our lives, okay? When you were a kid, did you look forward to Christmas morning? No, I mean, really, did you look forward to Christmas morning? Okay, why did you look forward to Christmas morning? Because you're going to get stuff. No, right? I mean, you look, okay? But then you talk about maturity and growing older. And especially for any of you here in this room that are grandparents, do you look forward to Christmas morning? Huh? Not, uh, yeah, yes, but not the same way. Because now, what's the most fun thing about Christmas morning? It's giving. It's watching the grandkids open a Christmas present. Do you understand? There's, there's a point in our lives where... Either we keep our focus on ourselves or we start to look at other people and we care about them. And part of this thing about treasures in heaven is the same idea. It's, you know what, it, we talked about this a few weeks ago. But being merciful, being a peacemaker, being merciful to people who need it, uh, helping someone in need, being generous. Uh, in Scripture, it talked about being persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's a, another way of saying it's, you know, doing the right thing even when it's tough. Talks about living as the salt of the earth. You know what? I mean, I, I've thought about living salt of the earth. Like, okay, so I want to do that. What is that? You know, like, how do I be salt of the earth? Salt of the earth is doing things that preserve godliness in the world and in our relationships. It means walking in alignment with the word of God. And like we said, it's like living according to God's word. It's, you know, we, we know, can we all agree that it's easy to live in alignment with God's word in here on Sunday morning? No, I mean, really. Can we all agree that in here, that's easy? And it's all for, easy for us to say, amen, yeah, that's good, right? Yeah, yeah. Where, where it's hard is tomorrow morning out there. There's distractions. There's also people that won't agree with you. Right? There's also people that would question, why are you saying that? Why do you do that? Why do you believe that? There, it, it's part of our treasure in heaven is coming from not being aggressive or, you know, but it's just living that life that honors God before other people. Remember, it's not like being like the Pharisees and saying, hey, take a look. I'm, I read my Bible this morning. How about you? No, do you know what I mean? You know, hey, I was in church yesterday. Where were you? No, it's not, it's not that stuff. But it's, you know, part of how we live that life out. It's like at work. When somebody, when the folks are standing around the coffee machine or wherever it is people gather these days, you know, and they're, and they're gossiping, it's not joining in. Or if they're being critical, it's trying to add 
not add more fuel to the fire, but it's trying to bring a perspective of love and peace and kindness. It's not, it's not ripping someone apart. We all have opportunities every day to get mad, don't we? I mean, if we're really true, don't we all have some opportunity every day to get angry about something? Okay, living as salt and, 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 and living according to Jesus, it was like deciding how you're going to respond in a way that honors God rather than react in a way that will just cause you to need to apologize later. Okay, so look, these are just some of the things that please God and will be rewarded by him when we live that way. So, and there are also things that bring us joy and give us a more fulfilled life. Okay, so then in verse 21 it says, so where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be also. Um, this whole thing about if, if, if we store up earthly treasure then, we're going to be focused on earthly and temporal things. And if we store up heavenly treasure, then our heart's going to be focused on things of eternal value that are pleasing to God. All right, so then... In verses 22 and 23, he talked about your eyes. He said your eyes represent the window into your lives. And we need clean windows for, for spiritual vision, right? He's saying that if your eye is spiritually healthy, then, then the whole body is going to be full of the light, the light of God's love, the light of God's word. It's going to get in. And, but if your eye is cloudy, it's dirty, it's spiritually unhealthy, then your body's full of darkness. And so you're not going to be able to live in a way that pleases God. He goes another step then in verse 24 where he makes what I think is a pretty bold and definitive statement where he says that no one can serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. Now, does that mean you can't have two jobs and two bosses? No, that's not what he's talking about. Okay? He's, he's talk, although you probably enjoy one more than the other. The, the, the fact is... What he's talking about is God and money. Okay? God and money. Jesus was calling on his followers to make a decision, a decisive and exclusive commitment to one or the other, God or money. You can, now, you can have both. You can have both God and money. You just can't serve both. There's a difference. All right? Here's the thing we need to understand. Money derives from an Aramaic word, mammon. In, older, in some older versions of, of Scripture, you would see you can't serve God and mammon. Okay? More modernly translated in money. But mammon, that word means wealth or property. But it can also be used to mean greed. Okay? And, and so what Jesus was, was saying, that you can't serve God and stuff, right? You can't serve God and stuff. But you know, when you really think about people that are serving money or they're serving uh, power, right? You know, things like that. Um, doesn't that really mean that if I'm serving that instead of God, that I'm putting that in my life ahead of God? Okay? I believe you can also find in Scripture then that's also called an idol, an idol is anything you put ahead of God in your life. So I think maybe the, the real practical way, I, you know, the, 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 the Steve translation of that verse, okay, for modern life would say you, you can't serve both God 
and an idol, which makes sense. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Look, Jesus just wanted his followers to view money as a resource, because that's what it is, right? Money is a resource that they could use and they should use wisely and generously for God's glory and the good of others, being generous, being helpful. Okay, hey, look, when you, so it's just, it's a very practical teaching that Jesus is trying to make here to help his people understand these very practical things of life, whether it's fasting or the need for spiritual clarity in their lives or not getting caught up serving the wrong thing and, and living with, you know, objectives that will not lead them to a healthy, strong life because they're worried about looking good for other people. They want to impress other people. So when you consider what Jesus has taught us in the last couple of weeks and then this morning in the scripture, I think it's pretty clear then, our, the, you know, the question we want to answer for ourselves is, so then how do we live to please God? We're not trying to live to please other people. We want to live to please God. How do we do that? Well, I would offer to you that the first thing we want to do is we want to get our heart and mind aligned with God's purposes. We want to seek the approval of God and not men by keeping our focus on God. We don't want to call attention to ourselves and, you know, all the good things we're doing, right? We just want to do them because it pleases God. Um, look, it, it, we want to, when we're doing good things, isn't it really... Our goal is to try and point people to Jesus, right, in our efforts. We want to point people to Jesus. And we don't, we don't want them looking at ourselves because ultimately we'll fail them. Jesus never will. People can see our actions. And so people can see what we're doing, and some people might, they might be impressed. But that's not why we're doing it. Because what we want is because we understand that God sees our hearts. God knows not only what we did, but the motives behind them, the intention, and whether it was for his honor and his glory. God has, has, has called us to serve others, to be generous to others, and to bring his love to others. So, when, uh, when you're not certain about what God's purposes and plans are for your life, Fast and pray until God reveals it to you. You're, if you want to live in a way that pleases God, the first thing is to align your heart and mind with God's purposes. The second thing is to focus on heavenly treasure. We just talked about that. Uh, make serving God a priority in your life. Focus on things that are eternal, not temporal. Things like God, his word, and people. Heavenly treasure results from, like, living obediently before the Lord. Uh, choosing to serve the Lord rather than money, right? We do that, too, like, practically. We, we, we focus on heavenly treasure and keep our minds aligned by reading God's word daily, filling our hearts with his word, honoring his word. And then 
This can be the difficult one, is treating other people the same way that Jesus would treat them. It was an old saying years ago, people wore bracelets, what would Jesus do? It's actually pretty good. That's a good test, right? Would sometimes, just before you're ready to say something, I, you know, would Jesus say that right now to that person? Would, would, is this how Jesus would respond in this situation? You know, would Jesus pass on that gossip? Would Jesus take advantage of this person? You know, no. Okay. Um, but it's a choice that we make daily how we're going to live our lives. Joshua 24:15 says you've got you, you to make a choice. Joshua told the people, said, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors, the ones they served beyond the Euphrates, he says, but, but, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So we all have a choice to make in our lives about who we're going to serve and where we're going to place our treasure. Finally, we want to honor God with our resources. Remember, honoring God with a tithe, which we're all called to do, that is not being generous. That's being obedient. In addition to our tithe, we're called to be generous in meeting the needs of others, whether it's with your time, your money, or your possessions. It's really true. It's really true. You cannot outgive God. You cannot outgive God. And I could give you so many stories of, of some people I've known over the years who've, who've actually tried to outgive God. And they couldn't, because every time they tried to give it all away, God just gave them more, because they, he knew that he could trust them to be faithful with those resources. You cannot outgive God. So we have choices to make in our lives about who we want to please, like the Pharisees, men, or like the followers of Jesus, God. Would you guys stand with me as we get ready to close today? Just bow your heads for a second. Just a, a moment, opportunity for you to uh, to think and 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 see what God would have you do today. Um, if you've realized that maybe you kind of need to hit the reset button and redirect your life with your heart and your priorities to bring them in alignment with God's word and the things that He's called you to do, just no one looking around. But if you'd say, "Yeah, I kind of need to." I need to hit a reset button and realign my focus to make sure it's on serving God and not other things. Just raise your hand. Say, yeah, that's me. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're ready to confess to God that you haven't been honoring with your resources, but today you're, you're ready to say, God, going forward, I want to honor you with the resources that you've given me. Raise your hand. Lord, today, you've seen our hands, you know our hearts. God, we want to be people, Lord, that are living to not only please you, Father, but honor you. Because, Lord, everything we have is from you. Every good gift and perfect gift is from above. It comes down from you. And so, Father, we know that uh, it's all from you. And so, Lord, we just want to be faithful with what you've allowed us uh, to do. So, God, we ask you to give us strength to walk with you each day. We commit our lives to you joyfully and prayerfully in Jesus' precious and holy name.
And now let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through songs, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen.